Hello, my name is Michael, and you're listening to Forever Sound Version, a video game music podcast.
How do, dear friends, and welcome to episode 44 of Forever Sound Version, a podcast in which I play music from video games, the classics and the deep cuts, and I say some things about the music too. Thanks a lot for tuning in. The track we just heard was Zool Rave from Zool on the Commodore Amiga, composed by Patrick Phelan. This episode is kind of late. I had originally planned on producing and releasing it last week, but I've been having a bit of a rough time recently, truth be told, so I'm only just getting around to getting back into doing the things that I normally like to busy myself with. I'm not going to apologise for the delay as such, since, well, this project as a hobby has to fit around the other things I have going on, but I am eager to try and make this episode a classic. The playlist I've prepared is certainly up to the task at least, so let's get cracking. Our topic today is Zool, the classic platform game from the British studio Gremlin Graphics. Zool is a ninja from the nth dimension, a speedy and supremely athletic gremlin, as in gremlin graphics, see? And arguably the closest thing the Commodore Amiga home computer system had to a mascot in the same way that Sonic was for Sega and Mario was for Nintendo. Indeed, Zool was ostensibly intended to be a rival to Sonic, which is reflected in the Amiga title's lightning-fast gameplay and bold, vibrant style of graphics. Seriously, Zool is a very colourful game, one of the most colourful I can think of from the 16-bit era. One of the game's stranger elements, and bear in mind that Zool is already quite a strange game, is its incorporation of product placement for Chupa Chups lollipops. The game's first level, Sweet World, features a lot of Chupa Chups logos in its backgrounds. It looks kind of weird and more than a little cheap to my jaded adult eyes. Still, I didn't care when I first played this game in the 90s. I liked lollipops and I liked platform games. Let's get into a bit more music. Before starting level 1, the player is able to select from one of four BGM tunes, or they can opt for sound effects. Given the complexity of these tunes, the Amiga's four channels of samples could not accommodate both music and sound effects at the same time. Here's a double feature drawing from those available BGM tunes, Rock and Zool and Sonic Basher from Zool on the Amiga, composed by Patrick Phelan. <laughs>
we just heard Rockin' Zool and Sonic Basher from Zool. Sonic Basher? Hmm. I have no idea what they could be alluding to with that title. There's a real sense of capital A attitude flying around on these tracks, which only reinforces the idea that Zool had Sonic in its crosshairs. The rhythmic drive of Sonic Basher is particularly well realised. It reminds me of something James Brown once said about how he treated every instrument and voice in his music as a drum. The beats and emergent polyrhythms are presented as more salient than the melodic content. Super Mario Brothers, this is not. Patrick Phelan is a British composer who cites the Commodore 64 legends Rob Hubbard and Ben Daglish as significant influences in his VGM output. I think it's fair to say that just about every British composer of that time would have named Rob Hubbard as an influence, but through consuming a lot of Zool's music, I do feel like I can hear traces of Daglish's playful style as well. Other soundtracks Phelan worked on during his time at Gremlin include Lotus The Ultimate Challenge, Loaded, and Fragile Alliance. There's a very good chance that I'll be playing some tracks from those games in future episodes. Zool's distinctive visual style and brisk pace helped it to achieve a decent degree of commercial success and a good critical reception too. In July 1992, Amiga Action Magazine wrote... At last, we Amiga owners have a rival to Sega's Sonic, and, let's be honest, Zool is a much tougher character than a dumb hedgehog who should have been squashed ages ago. Gremlin have produced a masterpiece, which looks set for follow-ons and merchandise. Each world is beautifully drawn, as is the Zool sprite, who is not only cool but also witty and tough. The game plays like a dream, and I don't envisage it being completed soon due to the size of all 21 levels. Forget crappy consoles, cause Zool is where it's at, on the Amiga. Forget crappy consoles? I'm not prepared to do that. Not today, for Zool's success meant that it earned itself a number of conversions to other platforms, including some home consoles. It found its way onto the Acorn 32-bit machines, Amiga CD32, Atari ST, DOS, Game Boy, Game Gear, Sega Mega Drive, Sega Master System, and SNES. Zool got around, for sure. Let's have a pair of Zool Sega Mega Drive tunes, composed by Patrick Phelan with the talented Mr. Matt Furness on hand to get the FM synth channel singing. Here's the title theme, and Worlds 1, 5, and 7, Sweet Toys Island, from Zool on the Mega Drive.
title theme and Worlds 1, 5 and 7, Sweets Toys Island from Zool on the Sega Mega Drive there. I was struck immediately by how good Furnace got those drums sounding. That snare drum rivals that of, yes, Sonic the Hedgehogs, in my opinion. And what about those swift, florid bass lines? Just so much to love here. That's the FM synth side of things covered, but how did the SNES's sample-based sound hardware fare in representing the Zool style? Let's find out. Here's Tool World and Tropical Islands from Zool on the SNES, released in 1993. Once again, the composer is Patrick Phelan.
another musical frontier of the seemingly endless 16-bit war of attrition between Sega and Nintendo. Which sound do you prefer? As much as I'm really into the arrangement of the tune we just heard, Tropical Islands from the SNES version of Zool, I think the Mega Drive soundtrack just about edges it for me this time. The sharpness of the drums and synths just links up a bit better with how the game looks and all the energy that is latent in the compositions. Do you agree? Disagree? You are allowed to disagree. Feel free to get in touch and let me know about it, I'm genuinely very curious to know what you all make of this stuff. You may recall that among the ports of Zool I named earlier was an Amiga CD32 version. I have every intention of doing a CD32 System Focus episode soon, since it was suggested by a listener a little while ago, but I'm not quite ready for that yet, so I hope this pair of tunes from Zool on the CD32, released in 1993, will suffice for now. You're about to get some Zool-tastic Redbook audio courtesy of Patrick Phelan and Neil Biggin. Here's Sweet World and Fruit World. You really think you're bad?
90s Redbook Audio VGM from British composers. You can always bet with a fair amount of confidence on it being a very ravey affair. With Sweet World and Fruit World there, rave, no doubt. I was getting groups like 808 State, Candy Flip, Utah Saints maybe? That sort of thing. I might have said this before on a previous episode of this podcast, but I am absolutely fine with ravey 90s VGM. Maybe I should compile a big old list of ravey 90s VGM that I like and record a DJ set sometime. If you have any recommendations, please throw them my way. This stuff is one of the most direct ways to my heart. Time for some handheld action now, and I'm going with the Sega Game Gear port of Zool, released in 1994. The Matt Furness produced jam we're about to hear incorporates the main melodic theme of the Zool series, which we will hear a little bit more of later on in this episode. Until then, enjoy this slice of PSG goodness. BGM2 from Zool on the Game Gear. was the stripped back but still fun take on the Zool theme tune, three square waves and a noise channel at work there on the Sega Game Gear. The Game Gear's sound hardware is the same as that of the Master System. It's not one of the most popular sounding setups in the world of VGM, but in skilled hands it can bring something quite different to the table. I like to think that this is demonstrated amply by this podcast's Master System Showcase episode featuring my good friend Rob. It's episode number 17 if you want to dig that out. We're leaving Zool behind now. Except not really because we're just moving on to the game's sequel, Zool 2, released in 1993, so only a year after the original. Everyone's favourite intergalactic gremlin warrior thing returns, and this time he's brought a lady friend along with him, Zuz. Zool and Zuz. A match made in heaven, surely. Nominative determinism at its sweetest. 
the player can choose between these two characters, and while they are largely similar, Zool is capable of negotiating areas of the game's levels that zoos can't, and vice versa, thus ensuring the game's replay value. Like the prequel, the Commodore Amiga was the main platform for Zool 2, but it also found its way onto the Amiga CD32, MS-DOS, and Atari Jaguar. The Jaguar is where I first played it, over at my cousin's house many, many years ago, and it's a pretty great game. It's slick, colourful, and it boasts some big tunes. Here's another double feature, World 3 Tooting Common, and World 5 Mount Isis, from Zool 2 on the Commodore Amiga, composed by Patrick Phelan. Bye. 
This is some of the very best Amiga VGM that I've ever heard, honestly. World 3 Tooting Common and World 5 Mount Ices from Zool 2. The breakbeat style sampled drum loops on the latter track are really stupendous, and, you might have guessed it, remind me once again of Britain's ravey years. Actually, this is exactly the sort of thing that I want to try and produce on the Commodore 64's SID chip for my future pieces under my demo scene handle, Mebri. There are a few elite composers working today who are able to squeeze such things out of the SID chip's three channels. People like Jammer and Elman. If you're into Commodore wizardry, then check those two out. Seeing as though I've started straying off topic a bit, I think I'll start to wind things up here. Thank you very much for listening. It's always great to be reminded of the fact that I'm not the only one who loves digging into this stuff. I hope you've enjoyed the diversity of styles and systems we've been listening to on this episode. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at foreversoundversion at gmail.com. You can like this podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash foreversoundversion. And you can follow me on Twitter. The handle is fsvpodcast. To close, we're going to have one more track from Zool 2 on the Amiga. It's the main theme, which doubles up as the ending music. There are samples flying around all over the place on this one, really showing off Patrick Phelan's composing chops. I'll leave you with this odd bit of text from Amiga Power Magazine's review of Zool 2 from January 1994. Zool has finally sold out. No longer can it be claimed that he is to the Amiga what Mario and Sonic are to the Toys R Us consoles. That is right, he is appearing at a Sega and Nintendo console near you now. I do not know about you, but quite frankly I do not care what Zool chooses to do. He never once said that his relationship with the Amiga was a monogamous one. Good luck to the lad. You've got to take work where you can get it these days. Right kids? Get your name about a bit. Rub shoulders, mandibles, thoraxes, with influential people capable of furthering your career. And once you have managed that, do not think that it is all plain sailing. And yet, dear listener, with all that said, and in the aftermath of the Amiga's demise, we didn't get another Zool game, which I think is a real shame. But at least the games we did get left us with some exciting and original video game music. All the best for now.